This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, Internet. My name is Chris. And I'm that other guy. And this is The Talking Dead number uh, 325, recorded on Tuesday, June 6, 2017. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Yeah, I, I really didn't know what I was doing there during that intro, but it's because I feel like we haven't podcasted in a while, Jason, and it's only been about two weeks, right? It's It's been, you know, 15, 20 years, feels like. It does feel- It really like- does feel like a long time. It does. Um, I, you know, I think about the podcast a little bit every day and I just feel like the last time we sat here to record, a lot has happened since then. Um, just in life and in work and, you know, my, my iMac is starting to die and I'm really, really worried about that and, and I don't feel good about it. So I do feel good to be back here sitting in front of the microphone though. So I hope everything stays together while we're, we're doing this for the next couple of hours. I know how you feel. I've, uh, you know, a lot's been happening over here too. Uh, the other day I found a peanut and then I cracked it open, but it was rotten. And then I ate it anyway. It's just, it's one of those things, you know? <laughs> well, you don't eat rotten peanuts. They're not good for yeah. you. I got a tummy ache. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you learned a lesson and I, I think my iMac screen is dying and I'm not happy about that because I can't afford a new iMac right now. Come on. I just spent $150 on a a giant Lego rocket. What what am I going to do? I get rid of that? I can't do that. Well, this is the problem when, uh, you know, you buy an all-in-one computer that when the, uh, when one port part goes, uh, it all-in-one goes in the garbage. Well, not necessarily. (laughs) I'm hoping I can fix it, but uh, if there's anybody out there that's a really, uh, supreme iMac repair guy and lives in Toronto... Give me a call because I could use your help. <laughs> There's a case of beer in it for you. Oh, nice. Yes, sir. I'll, I'll fix it for a case of beer. Let's not go there. I can, uh, not only can I not fix it, but I don't want a case of beer. Yeah, that's the problem with you. <laughs> Anyways, we are here to talk about Fear of the Walking Dead. The season premiere was this week. In fact, two episodes aired, and we're going to talk about both of them here today. Are you ready to get started, Jason? I am super ready to super get super started. Awesome. So Fear the Walking Dead, season three, back on the air on AMC. Episode one was called Eye of the Beholder, and episode two was called The New Frontier. Now, lots of stuff happened in this episode, in in these two episodes. And, you know, there's one big friggin' elephant in the room that we are going to talk about, but we'll get to that in a little bit, of course. Uh... I think I want to talk about the first episode kind of as a unit first and then talk about the second one sort of separately, but I know there's going to be some overlap for sure. Yep. That sounds fair. Okay. So what, what are your general feelings on, uh, basically the first episode as a season premiere? Because I mean, there, I felt they, these were two pretty different episodes, unlike, um, like, I didn't really see the reason for airing them on the same night, other than AMC probably wanted to draw people in a little bit more. But we had one, it did run right into the second one, but in a lot of ways, this sort of, you know, the locations were totally different, and there was a lot of separation between the two, even though the storyline kind of ran from one through to the other. 
So yeah, they were very different. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you that uh, you know as a cohesive kind of story, uh, it didn't quite work. So you know, two episodes, it definitely was. I think airing it on the same night didn't have anything to do with the story. It had to do with uh, production and AMC, like you say, wanted to draw people in. Uh, you know, a double whammy always gets people in the mood for uh, you know getting into a TV show. I remember they did that. Uh, with uh, 24, like the uh, second season of 24, uh, a couple things I liked about 24 is that uh, it started off by showing uh, two episodes a night for like two or three nights in a row. Like they just start you off and get you like, okay, now I'm hooked, I'm hooked, I'm hooked, I'm hooked. And then uh, the other thing I liked about 24 is that no matter what, 24 weeks, like, or unless they do this two nights a week or two episodes a night for a few nights, but there was no break. There was no repeats. It was like every Monday night, you could guarantee that you're going to have a new episode of 24 until it ended, which I liked. Right. But, uh, yeah. So getting, uh, getting a double whammy, I kind of get you back into the mood. I mean, it's been a while since we've seen, uh, a fear of the walking dead. So I remember, uh, sitting down and going, I wonder what's going on. I mean, I'm sure I'll pick it up, but uh, I kind of forget who everybody is and what's going on, but uh, <laughs> they brought me back up to speed and got me uh, indoctrinated back into the show pretty quick. Yeah, so the first uh, the first of the two episodes really begins in a way where we left off at the end of season two. If you recall, Nick and Lucy were, you know, they showed up at the border uh, with all of her people and they got ambushed or attacked by these sort of unknown military folks yep. and she got shot and but we don't really know what happened after that this episode the first one i have the whole beholder starts with madison and travis being captured by these military guys that and we don't really know what they're up to i couldn't remember at the time if if we knew that madison and travis um and alicia i guess were I know they'd left the hotel, but we hadn't seen them get this far yet. So we just have to make that leap that they've traveled a little bit, even though they were close by and they've been captured by presumably the same folks. Yeah. Did this military base remind you of the military base in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas? <laughs> no, it did not. But uh, it totally reminded me of with the mountains in the background and uh, just the layout of the base. It made me want to drive real fast into the base and uh, steal a fighter jet. Yeah, as, that's you know, uh, as Simon generally frowned upon. But uh, yeah. you know, now that you say it, I can kind of see the resemblance or whatever. Maybe it's maybe it's based off of it. I don't know. Maybe it could be. Anyway, it just reminded me of that. I thought it was cool. Yeah. So, so they show up and get captured. We quickly find out that Nick is of course there as well. Luciana is not doing so well because she's being shot. Uh, but I really liked the cold open of the first episode. Uh, and, and you know, it, it gave us enough information without sort of really hitting us over the head with anything, but it felt very cinematic to me, these overhead shots. And yeah. once they had Travis, thrown down in the basement the way they revealed that nick was there i thought was really clever too you know travis is just kind of looking around he's in this dark bathroom uh dark damp gross place he's sitting against the wall and then kind of through the shelves or past some people he sees nick leaning against the wall with lucy's head on on his shoulder 
and they both have their eyes closed and it's just sort of across the room. And then Nick and Lucy both open their eyes at the same time and stare back at him. And I just thought it was a really good sort of way to do it. And I, I liked the sort of mood and the feeling I got from it. It was a very moody scene. Yeah, it was good. In a, in a dark, depressing, you know, I've been captured and thrown in a bathroom kind of way. Well, yeah, I mean, it's never fun, right? And it's never, uh, you know, accompanied by clowns and balloons. No, every time that's happened to me, there's never been a single clown. And if there was, yeah. I think I might feel better about everything that's going on. Yeah, a little juggling, maybe playing a little kazoo, that kind of thing. <laughs> Did you ever play kazoo in your clown act? No, because you have to be able to hold a tune uh, to play ah. a kazoo, and I cannot hold a tune. I can make a kazoo buzz, but not, uh, you know, playing a, uh, it's basically humming into something that makes a buzzing sound. So you have to be able to carry a tune. Okay. You just play a kazoo. All right. Well, if they'd hired some kazoo playing uh, clowns for that scene, it might have, uh, <laughs> might not have worked as well, but hey. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I enjoyed the way this, this opened. Um, and, you know, it sort of set the, set the tone for the episode a little bit, at least for the stuff that Travis was about to go through being captured down there. So we're introduced to Troy and his kind of cronies of some other military guys here, and they are doing experiments on people by killing them and timing how long it takes them to resurrect as they, as they say. In yeah, that's, uh, you know, that makes sense, right? You know, from a sadistic asshole, you know, jerk kind of way, but yeah. you know, you have to, I don't know, I guess you don't have to perform experiments on people against their will. Well, I guess you that's don't. something you have to do. No, it's not, especially when you're, the experiment involves murdering them. Right. Right. That's pretty much against everybody's will. But what did you, what did you think about this whole concept? Don't forget we are, we're early in the zombie apocalypse still. A lot of people don't really know what's going on. They don't all understand the rules of how you become a zombie, what happens after you die. So these guys are there killing people and, and kind of, um, nonchalantly sort of keeping track of how long it takes them to return and placing bets on it. So are they, are they having fun or are they doing science? Oh, well, it could be both. You know, there's one of the, uh, uh you know, the Mythbusters, uh, Jamie Heidelman, uh, one of the, one of the best sayings he has is the only difference between science and screwing around is writing down what you're doing. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. Keeping track of right. things. So they could just be screwing around and as long as you write it down, then uh, they're doing science. I mean, sure, it's sadistic and uh, immoral, uh, the science that they're doing, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I think that they're, I understand the need to want to understand what's going on. Right. Uh, I abhor their methods and uh, the moral stance that they take in doing it, but uh, I understand the need. And it's not like we didn't learn something new too, I, I think anyways, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but at one point in the episode, the, one of the military guys talks about how the, the zombies actually stop eating their victims after the blood goes cold. And he refers to it as undead procreation because apparently the zombies, as he said, have senses, sight, hearing, smell, uh, and taste he says. Yep. And then, so once, once the blood goes cold, they stop eating their victim and move on to the next one because they're not interested in anything that's dead or smells like death, yep. which 
doesn't feel very consistent with the main show, to be honest with you. But I do like the idea of it because, as he said, it's undead procreation. That means that when a zombie eats you, if there's enough left, once, you know, you've gone cold, you can still get up and walk around and be another zombie. That's why, you know, zombies don't basically just annihilate the population by completely eating everything. Right. No, that was, uh, I did find that very interesting and it reminded me of, I think it was the Max Brooks uh, Complete Survival, Zombie Survival Guide, mm-hmm. where they, uh, where he talked about, I think it was that book or it might've been something else. I've read a lot of zombie books in the last 10 years. Anyway, <laughs> sure. they were talking about how um, uh, zombies, the fact that they want to procreate by consuming, uh, you know, is kind of a... a at odds with each other. But this, this, uh, uh, what they're describing here is, uh, a way of synchronizing those two things instead of, you know, you don't procreate by eating something and then have it move on, uh, you know, in its life, but, you know, describing that the, the point at which they give up, which means that you can procreate, uh, or zombie can procreate kind of, uh, for me, it made it all click together and I thought it was great. Sure, but how does this jive with what we've seen in the main show where a zombie can con- entirely 100% consume Lori's body so that there's nothing left? Uh, she's pregnant, right, at the time? Or was shortly before that? Um, No. Well, shortly before. She gave birth and then, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, being pregnant makes you warm. So maybe she was, uh, her body temperature was warm for a long time. I don't know. Consistency is the refuge of the weak-minded. Oh, that's that's not an answer. I, <laughs> I want consistency. I, I just think, you know, maybe it's that th- there are rules, but there are also exceptions, you know? Yeah. And while most zombies will move on once they've, once the body goes cold and they've lost interest, some are lazier. Or, or yeah. you just decide to keep going for whatever reason. And that's kind of how I explain it to myself. Well, it's also how I live my life, right? If I sit down to a meal, sometimes I will eat a meal until I'm comfortably full and I will stop eating because I have eaten enough to, uh, you know, go about my life without, uh, you know, being hurtful to myself. But then every once in a while, I'll go to a Christmas dinner or a Thanksgiving dinner and I will eat until it is excruciatingly painful. And <laughs> really excruciating. <laughs> I've, I remember coming back from a uh, Thanksgiving dinner. This was years ago where it was absolute agony. I had eaten way too much and I was seriously considering actually purging to get oh. rid of some of the uh, food. I, I didn't mind you, but, uh, I was, oh, it was so awful, but the meal was so good. It was so good. Uh, my friend Derek, uh, had made, uh, Thanksgiving dinner for all our groups of friends for years and years and years. And he was so good at it. It was just, it was wonderful, but it was excruciatingly uncomfortable. So I've done that to myself. So that kind of consistency where, you know, you stop eating because it's no longer appetizing or you're full is, you know, one, one thing, but the same person can go into a meal and not stop eating for any reason whatsoever and then un- don't realize until after that you've done a disservice to your own self. Sure. So, or, or maybe, you know, maybe some corpses just taste better than others. Well, you know, that's probably a, uh, a thing as well. Yeah. Okay. 
bottom line though is I just kind of I like the idea that we're seeing people figure things out here a little bit and you know we're in season three so it feels like the show has been on for a long time I mean by season three of The Walking Dead they were months if not already dozens of months into the uh into the zombie apocalypse years even possibly years yeah yeah dozens of months or maybe even years dozens of months that's a you could say that <laughs> can't you <laughs> well you can i think it's funny okay well <laughs> but you can say it <laughs> possibly years uh but here we are not even dozens of weeks in and uh yeah. and so they're still figuring things out so i kind of like that but what did you think of of troy otherwise kind of as a character and did it change at all as we moved into the second episode last night he struck me as really young for being uh that much in command like he yep. you know there was uh, an obvious divide between the speaking parts and the non-speaking parts of the uh, the military people and the fact that uh that troy was so young really didn't sit right with me that he was, I think this needed to be cast as an older, uh, somebody older should have been cast in this part. I, I think you might be surprised at how old he is in real life. If you had to guess, what would you say? Uh, the actor. you know, 12 or 13, at least, uh, 1986. He's 31 uh, years old. Still young for being in command of, uh, you know, a military base. Sure. Even, but you know, anyway, yeah, I just, I thought, I thought it was cast a little young for me. I, I agree with you. He, he has a baby face and he does come across a little bit young, but I think once you find out what's actually going on there, especially into the second episode, and he's just the son of a guy who is in charge of a community and he, they've been sent out to this military base to scavenge for fuel, I think is what they were doing there. Right. Right. So he may have been a very low ranking military officer pre-zombie apocalypse, or maybe he wasn't even in the army and he's just sort of put on the uniform because he's in a military base or that's what they have to wear. Uh, so, you know, I don't think at this point his age matters at all, but I do see what you're saying. He, he came across a little young on TV. Yeah. I, I had a hard time, uh, accepting it. The, the, the age. What I think they did well with that character, though, is that he sort of had an awkwardness to him. Um, and, and this is related to the age thing, I think. But I, I, he felt awkward. He felt like a kid playing dress up, right, in his, in his uh, dad's army uniform. And that, yep. that's exactly, I think, what you're saying. And it, it didn't really fit him very well. But what they did well was they kind of established him as, you know, a bit of a hothead. And, uh, you know, I guess a bad guy, um, who ultimately doesn't have that much power. He just was taking what he could get while he was away from the people who really had the power over him, you know, his dad and his brother, really. Right. So it worked within the confines of the first episode that, sorry, not within the confines of the episode, but within the two episodes, kind of when you find out what he's really all about, I think it worked a little bit better. If we just seen episode number one. And it had ended, I think we would be sitting here going, oh, that character didn't work at all. He just totally wasn't believable. But because we know, you know, where he was really coming from, it kind of fell into place a little bit better for me. Yeah, not so much for me, unfortunately. Uh, and I think it had to do with, uh, you know, how, when, 
when do you follow somebody? Mm-hmm. When uh, you know when it's uh, when you're in the confines of a normal society like us, you follow somebody because it's kind of prescribed to you. Either if you're in the military, they outrank you, so you uh, you basically you respect the rank more than the person, or not more than, but you respect the rank if not the person. Uh, you uh, or you know, if I was sitting in a room and Prince Harry came in and asked us all to do something, he's younger than me, but I'd do it because he's a prince, right? I just, I kind of yeah. respect the office and I would do that. But in the zombie apocalypse where all this shit kind of goes out the window and Prince Harry came in and asked me to do something, you know, he, I'd have to respect him first, right? Right. Uh, so I'm not entirely sure that, uh, yeah, I just, I couldn't. The fact that he's somebody's son and you respect the person and therefore you respect the son doesn't necessarily uh, jive with me. It just, uh, that person would need to drive uh, a lot of respect. And I didn't see that in this episode. That uh, I just saw this guy who was in command uh, and I didn't believe the command structure because he was so young. Sure. But I, yeah, I can see it. I just, I don't think he was, I don't think it was a very well-organized um, group of, of people they had there, right? You could, you could tell that. I mean, as soon as Alicia pulls out the knife she's hidden in her boot when they're locked in that room, I'm like, there's no way if these captors knew what they were doing yeah. would let her get in there with a knife in her boot. She'd have been searched and all of her weapons would be gone, right? Yeah. I went through basic training, or like three weeks of basic training when I was 17 years old in, uh, in the reserves and they taught me how to search somebody. So, yes, if they were military, they would have learned, you know, look in the boot. Do they have a boot knife? Because that's a thing. Of course, yeah. It's a, <laughs> definitely, I'm wearing a boot knife right now. Yeah, I'm not even wearing shoes and I got a knife down there. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but th- th- those were the kind of little hints that I was seeing throughout the episode that the people weren't all that really well organized and they're being commanded by you know, a kid basically who doesn't really knows, know what he's doing. And the fact that Madison and Alicia were able to escape basically for a while. And it seemed like nobody was around. I I mean, I guess the, the base was pretty big. So Alicia was able to sneak around amongst the cars and things like that for a while before she got, uh, I mean with the spoon in his eye. Oh, well, yeah. And then Madison was able to put a spoon in the guy's eye and get outside. That was nasty. You got to admit that was, no, that was pretty nasty. I thought it was inventive. I thought it was ridiculous, but I thought it was inventive and, uh, and fun. I mean, can you dig a spoon in behind somebody's eyeball and then not pop it out? I really don't think that that's a possibility. I'm not even sure I want to think about it because eye stuff grosses me out. Because the eyeball is uh, really not a solid. It's more of a squishy sack. And uh, you put anything in there and that squishy sack is going to pop. And when that squishy sack pops, then everything leaks out. And it doesn't, if your eyeball pops, you can't heal it, right? Well, I really have no experience with that. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I don't think, I wouldn't think so. I think that's, you know, the kind of thing where you're just like, "Ah, I popped my eyeball and all used out onto my face. It's like, well, there goes that eye. You know what? That's what I assume. I mean, the, the human body can do some amazing things. And, you know, you break a bone, it'll heal. You pop an eyeball, you're, you're, you only got one eyeball from then on. Bones have structure. That's the whole point of bones. Yes. Eyeballs don't. 
You know, that's why you have these sockets in your structured skull in order to hold them because they don't really have a lot of, uh, you know, structural integrity themselves. Like you never, you can't pop an eyeball out and have it lie on the floor like you see in, uh, uh, you know, movies and TV where people step on eyeballs and squish them and stuff. It's just, they're not a thing, right? When they, they don't just pop out, they just, they're like a sack of fluid that has some parts on them. And when you pop them, they just kind of become a gooey mess leaking all over the place. That's super gross. It, well, yeah, <laughs> it's, that, that's what, you know, that's what I understand. I mean, I could be wrong. It sure. could be like the, you know, it's not like a glass eye where it's like, you know, ding, 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 ding. And then you pop it out and it kind of, you play with it like marbles. I don't think that's the way they are. No, I'm pretty sure not. Anyway, spoon in the eyeball, really gross. Um, but I'm telling you, if it is possible and someone had their hand on a spoon that was in my eyeball, I would do anything they said. You know, if, uh, if someone had reached around and grabbed my testicles with a lot of force and forced me to do something, I probably would do anything they said. So going for the eyeball is really unnecessary, uh, cause testicles are much more exposed. Sure. But eyeballs freak me out more. <laughs> I don't know what okay. that says about me. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Right. Okay. What about Nick in this episode? He, he escapes, goes down into some tunnels or he escapes with the help of another one of the prisoners who knows yep. the base. Cause he used to work there. He said, Nick gets down into some tunnels and, um, well, he's dragging Luciana behind him because she's been shot. And then he comes to, you know, uh, a wall that he can push down and there's hundreds and hundreds of zombies behind this wall. Yeah. It looks like, um, it just kind of felt like they needed to move Nick from one place to the other and kind of by accident, he, you know, discovered all these zombies, which they had to fight off at the end of the episode. But I am glad that for at least a few minutes, everybody came back together, you know, mother and son were together again. And I did think the reunion scene right at the end of the episode where everyone was hugging uh, or near the end before they were immediately separated again was very nice. Uh, that was nice. It was, it was, uh, it's good to have the family back together again. My favorite part about, uh, uh, Nick escaping and with the help of this other guy was that they slashed the other guy's throat and threw him down the hole and said, happy hunting. Well, that was awesome. That's like you become a zombie in a little while and then go get those people that are running away. And it makes sense because they know that he's going to turn relatively quickly. Remember when they were timing them guys, one of them says, oh, this guy's obese or fat. So he takes longer to turn. And that guy who helped him escape was a fit, skinny-ish guy, so he's going to turn faster. Yeah, it doesn't. That, see, that that part, uh, I know from the original show that there's no rhyme or reason for, like, how long somebody takes to turn. Mm -hmm. Like, they're really not going to define it, so the fact that they're trying to define it uh, kind of annoyed me a little bit. Yeah, maybe a little bit. And then Travis. So Travis is a huge badass in this episode. He gets thrown into a pit and has to fight off a whole bunch of zombies. And I honestly wish we'd seen more of that because I think that was an amazing one man desperation zombie battle. It was pretty good. I mean, pick up cinder blocks, smashing people with cinder blocks. <laughs> um, and then uh, it, it, the way he throws the cinder block out of the pit at the end was a little unbelievable, to be honest. Why? That's You've hard. never thrown a cinder block 30 feet? That's a pretty hard thing to do. They're heavy. <laughs> they are heavy. Right? But we're not, you know, we're not Travis. 
no, that's that's definitely a true statement right there. And I don't <laughs> nearly have the uh, the arm strength that that guy does. But I have picked up cinder blocks before. I've dug them out of the ground. There used to be a brick wall in my backyard that I knocked down, and it was the foundation of it was cinder blocks buried in the ground. And I had to get a jackhammer to get those out. Yeah, but the you know, yeah, if you had the uh, the upper body and core strength that uh, that I believe Travis has. Uh, you know, flinging a, uh, uh, a cinder block, I think it's entirely possible for what he did. I think that was a real cinder block that he really threw. It probably wasn't, but I like to believe it was, uh, you know, and you're not really throwing with your arms. You're like twisting your whole core, right? You're getting everything involved, your legs, your stomach, your back muscles, everything involved. It's like, uh, what do you call the, the hammer throw or whatever those Olympic sports are? Shot put. Don't, you don't. Well, it's not even shot put. Shot put is, uh, you know, yeah, pushing, but pushing. it's like, you, it's like the thing on a chain where you swing around and around and around and try not to hit somebody in the nuts standing right beside <laughs> you. You just kind of, you fling it and it goes a long way. Like you get your whole body involved, right? Absolutely. So it, but if you're the guy just, standing next, standing right there with your nuts exposed, I mean, bad, bad positioning. Well, yeah. Then, you know, it's high school thing, you know, the, you know, YouTube it. There's lots of funny YouTubes of people getting smashed in the nuts by, uh, uh, you know, people doing sports. Sure. <laughs> sports uh, But yeah, those things, uh, you get your whole body involved. So the fact that he was already keyed up, he had the adrenaline going and he picked up a cinder block and he just kind of, he used the proper body mechanics to throw that thing. It's just, it's, it's, you know, it's not, uh, it's not, it was unlucky that he didn't hit his target. Cause I think that would have been funny. That would have been funny. I'm just saying that I don't think I could throw a cinder block like that because I have these weak little arms that don't do anything. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm saying you use your core and your legs and everything. Oh my. Just, you rely on your weak little arms. You rely on your weak stomach muscles and your weak legs and your weak back my, as well. Yeah, my core isn't going to help at all. You seen my core? It's not that bad, but Jesus. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Do some sit-ups. You'll be fine. I should. Uh, but I love the... I just love Travis in there and, and he survives, he kills all the zombies and then he comes out and then everyone's reunited for a moment. And I got a really warm and fuzzy feeling with that, that reunion, especially when Nick shows up and Nick and his mom, Madison are hugging and he brings Alicia in and everybody's happy for like three seconds until, until the zombies attack. And then, um, and then that whole zombie attack scene at the end, I thought was pretty good too, but it, was there more or less to force our characters apart again, because some of them got in a helicopter and some of them got in a truck and they were all supposed to go to the same place, but it doesn't really pan out that way. Uh, yeah, you never split the party. No, but they were forced to, but the one really, um, interesting thing that I think happened in that scene did you notice that, uh, Travis comes running up? So Madison is fighting a bunch of zombies and you know, Nick is there and, um, you know, Alicia and Lucy are coming through and at one point in the battle, Travis starts running to help Madison, but then stops and turns around and returns to help Luciana and Alicia. And, and it's, I think the episode made a very, um, uh, made a point to show him doing that to like either, you know, to show him turning around and not going to help his wife. And I think what they were trying to tell us is that he saw her, realized she's capable, she's got this under control, I'm going to go help the person who's been shot and who's not so under control. Yeah, I got that impression too. That was uh And I hope, good. I hope it wasn't that he was like, I don't want to help her because 
you know, because they had recently had sort of a, a bit of an argument, right? They, they weren't as on solid ground at the end of season two, if you recall. Yeah, but you don't leave somebody to die just because you're no. mad at them. Good right? God, I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would not be a cool thing to do. Um, but I did, you know, I, I did like that. Then again, Travis looked amazing in the helicopter with the shotgun. And as the helicopter's taking off, he's just kind of hanging out the door with a shotgun. I thought what, it looked that, cool. That, I thought that was completely ridiculous. What I the hell it, use are you going to be with a shotgun hanging out of a helicopter? It has a range of, you know, way less than what would be needed sitting in a helicopter to try and be any of any use whatsoever yeah fine once you're up in the air but I, I just mean like just as they're taking off you know and then the zombies were hanging from it and they shot them off he didn't yeah. shoot them off but i just think travis was was super awesome in this episode you know he he did everything right he he kind of caused a ruckus in the bathroom to get them uh to help them escape he fought off all the zombies in the pit he he you know did the right thing, I guess, in the in the big zombie battle at the end, and then looked like a super badass taking off in that helicopter. Yep, he got definitely got his hero moments. Yeah, he sure did. So, in the cold open, I guess we'll just move on into episode two. There, I have a couple more things about number one, but since we're talking about Travis, in the cold open, Travis is killed in episode two. Well, he commits suicide. Uh, he might not be dead. No, number just one. Just because he fell a thousand feet, uh, you know, after he got shot and was bit uh, into, I bit. assume, a forest. He was not Doesn't bit. Doesn't mean he's dead. He, well, number one, he's dead. And number two, he was not bit. I know it looked like it, but he was not bit. How do you know? Because Dave Erickson, the showrunner on the after show, said that he was caught by two stray bullets, one in the neck <sighs> and one in the gut. Pisses me off so much that you have to get information outside of the show to make the show make sense. I know, but in in hindsight, when you that that wound he had in the in the lower body or wherever it was or the stomach, it, that would a wound that significant could I don't think could have been hidden from them as as they were taking off. Right? I just don't think so. He would have been more incapacitated. He's hanging out the door. He's got a lot of adrenaline going. He's had a you know a pretty rough day. All in all, uh, his side is hidden as he's taking off in the helicopter. I suppose it's possible that it was, uh, I assumed that that's what they were doing when I saw the wound, that it was, that he was hiding it and in complete denial. No. Uh, See, I, I can't tell you how much it annoys me that you have to find out that it wasn't a bite from outside of the context of the story. No, I wonder, I 100% agree with you that it should be a little bit more clear because it did look like, even if not a bite, it looked like a wound that he sustained at some point. But I think regardless of where the wound came from, it, it was, it was, it was severe enough that he wouldn't have been able to continue to, to hide it from anybody or continue to just like run around or even sit up straight. He would have lost too much blood and there's no way that, Alicia sitting in that helicopter wouldn't have noticed him like bleeding out from the waist, you know? So that kind of makes me a little bit more okay with the idea that he was shot twice as the helicopter was taking fire because he obviously wasn't wounded before then. And then all of a sudden he was, but it, it was dark and it was hard to tell. And I kind of agree with you that it sucks that, you know, so many people were confused about that because you're not the only person. 
Yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily call it confusion. Fair enough. <laughs> it, <laughs> one thing was in the episode that was seemed clear, but was not. Yeah, it's like uh, what happened to Lori. Oh, the zombies completely ate her. You know, it's like, no, that's not what you, you know, the, just because there's a fat zombie sitting there with a distended belly, which is how I felt after that uh, uh, the Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, th- that there wasn't enough information in the show to provide that conclusion. This is the same thing. If they have to provide the conclusion uh, from outside the context of the story, you have failed to tell the story. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I just why why show it at all? I mean, being shot in the neck—that's pretty damn significant. Yeah, like that's a that's a mortal wound. What he had in that in his neck. I unless it was like when they had his hand up, you know, it could be anything, right? It's Glenn in the dumpster. It's uh, yeah, we saw something, and now he's holding his neck. It could just be a graze, and then he looks like he's going into shock. But five minutes later, it's like ah, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Sure. Which I kind of figured might happen too, mm-hmm. which would have annoyed me. So. I think it was a good hero moment, uh, and I think it's significant that he went out the uh, the door of the helicopter and fell into the uh, into the abyss essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just you know, I'm I'm nitpicking now. What I liked about it is a lot of things, and one of those things is that it really feels like it was out of the blue. You know this 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 is probably across both shows, maybe the most surprising main character death, you know, and we've seen some other main character deaths. Dale was surprising. Um, uh, Shane, I guess, wasn't that surprising, but you know, it, it did in a way. Surprising in the comic. Come out of nowhere. Yeah. But this one was like, boy, you really think everything's okay. They are in a helicopter. They're flying somewhere. I guess we don't know who they're with very well, but this new, you know, the Troy's brother, uh, what was his name? Whatever his name was. Otto? Uh, no, that was their last name. Jake. Jake. Oh, right. <laughs> Jake seems, uh, seems to be trustworthy and they, you know, they're, they're good for a second. And then, and then a character is killed surprisingly and in such a surprising way, you know, it's not a zombie. It's not in, it's not a bite that he, you know, succumbs to. It's not a big battle. It's not like some big bad guy kills him. It's a stray bullet fired by someone we have, we don't even know. Yeah. No, it was, it was good. I liked it. I liked the fact that there was consequences to uh, random, you know, taking fire in a helicopter. Cause you know, if you're in the zombie apocalypse and you're struggling to survive and to uh, find food and not have your fellow man gnaw down on your innards, when you see a helicopter go by, what do you do? You shoot at it. Cause <laughs> <Sure>. fuck them. <laughs> cause, cause those guys got a helicopter. <laughs> cause they got a helicopter. Yeah. Well, I just think it's, I don't think we're going to get well, what do you think? Do you think we'll get more information on who was shooting the helicopter down? Not a, nothing. No, I, I think that's, that's done. I don't know, man. Like I, I thought so too, but then now we have this, this ranch called Broke Jaw Ranch where the Otto family lives and a bunch of other people. And I think there, the implication is there are more communities like this, which is uh, <laughs> the way it goes on this show. So I wonder if one of those other communities is disgruntled and they're shooting at you know, the ranch's helicopter or something. And we're going to find that out. I don't know. 
what does that do to Madison? That's a big question, of course. On the other hand, if the show just sticks to random gunfire in the night and, you know, a character got hit because that's what happens when you get shot at, that's going to be pretty awesome, too. And something that I feel like this show should be, in a way, commended for. <laughs> you know? I, I agree. And I thought it was nice in this episode that uh, Kim Dickens and Dayton Callie, who played uh, Jeremiah, uh, got back together. Because they were both in uh, Deadwood. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, uh, uh, Dayton, or the guy who played Jeremiah, he was, uh, uh, what was his character's name? He hung around with Wild Bill Hickok. Okay. Charlie, Charlie something. Damn it. I have to look that up. Uh, yeah, he was, his character was great in Deadwood and, uh, so was Kim Dickens. I, I really like that. I, <laughs> I see this guy, uh, pretty much everywhere cause he's a character actor and I'm like, yay. Every time I see him, I'm happy cause he's great. Well, let me ask you a question about him. Did you realize, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but he's the same character who, who was shooting at Luciana just as she crossed the border and uh, shot her uh, in at the end of season two. I did not realize that. that's the like the old man she encountered. So it, this is Wait. not actually the first time we've we've seen him. Well, then I do remember because I would have noted that uh, Dayton Callie was in that, but I had seemed to have forgotten. See what happens when uh, uh, we have a whole other show in between watching Fear the Walking Dead that some other show that uh, we watched around zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you you forget everything. So yeah, I would have noted that he was in Deadwood. Uh, I would have known that, but I guess I've forgotten. Well, there you go. Um, but back to back to Travis. You know, he's he's killed off. We had just decided a few weeks ago when we were talking about uh, the actor being cast in forty five different Avatar movies. Remember that that there's yeah, tons of I, time for so that. I thought of that as soon as he died. I'm like, oh, Chris just told me that this guy was gonna die. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I was sad by the whole thing. I didn't want Travis to die. Uh, but the one one last thing I wanted to say about that is, in hindsight, he did kind of get his hero moments. But what I loved about it is, and and, and sorry, really, it was like a hero episode. Because the first episode, I as I was saying, Travis was just amazing throughout the whole thing. But it didn't feel like a hero episode for him. It just felt like him kind of stepping up and doing what he needed to do to like save his family and get everybody back together. Um, and, but, but really when we look back at it is, oh, okay, they were doing this. They were building up this character to make it even more sad when he's killed off in the cold open of the next episode. But we didn't know it at the time. It didn't feel like that's what they were doing. And I think that's the right way to do it, at least for yeah. me. It would, no, I agree with you that it was handled very well. It didn't feel like a hero episode. It wasn't like that episode on Lost with, uh, damn it, I forget their names now. I have to go back and watch all of Lost again so that I'm back up to speed on exactly what's going on. Nikki and Paolo, uh, you know, that episode with Nikki and Paolo where they were in the background, all of a sudden the whole show was about them. It's like, well, of course they're going to die. Right. But The Walking Dead does this too, right? You, you, yeah. you, you suddenly love characters. They make you love characters that you had no real affection for, you know, one episode ago. And, and you kind of realize they're going to die. Travis, yeah. maybe because he's such a primary character that you don't, it doesn't seem un, unusual for him to be the focus of an episode or just be, be awesome in an episode. But, even with primary characters, I think that happens sometimes. In this case, it didn't feel out of place. They just did a really good job with the writing 
and of course Cliff Curtis with the acting in episode one, and then he gets in a helicopter, gets shot, and has to fall out. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you that they handled it very well in this case. And I'm bummed that he's gone because, you know, good, good, good character. I liked him. Yeah, but we get to look forward to uh, 15 or 20 Avatar movies that nobody asked for. <laughs> yeah, man, but he's going to be right all over those, <laughs> right on top yeah. of those. Um, now, so what does this do to Madison, though? She's just lost her her husband. Earlier in episode one, she tells uh, Troy that you know his life is the most important thing to her, and now his life is over. So what happens to Madison? And I think we've already seen some of the effects that this is going to have on her. Yeah, she's going to spiral a little bit, but uh, I think she'll, uh, she'll suck it up and move on and be uh, the strong leader that uh, the we and everybody else needs her to be. I think so. But, you know, is, do you think so? Or do you think she'll just become dark and, and really hardened and sort of unable to love anybody now? Because I think yeah, it could go either way. Well, that's fine too, but she'll still be the leader that everybody needs. If she becomes a bad guy, that'd be so awesome. <laughs> I guess so. But bad guys are all a matter of perspective. I'm pretty sure the show is going to continue following this family. So No, I know, but imagine if they become actual bad guys and we recognize that as, oh my God, they're the bad guy in whatever story we're watching. Yeah, I guess Wouldn't so. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, I mean, right at the end of episode number two, she's sitting there with her children and she tells them that we've, you know, we're going to stay here at this ranch and we're going to make this our, our home. And she says, even if we have to take it over. Yeah. Right? Isn't that, I thought that was awesome. This is fucking Rick Grimesian, you know, I walking into Alexandria going, this place is pretty nice, but you guys don't know what the crap you're doing here. So I'm going to tell you whether you like it or not. Yeah, she's going to have to kill Charlie Utter. Uh, sorry, uh, Jeremiah Otto. His uh, Charlie Utter in uh, Deadwood, which he was a real person. Charlie Utter was a real person. Okay. By the way. Uh, so was, uh, well, Bill Hickok. You've probably heard that name. I have. I'm aware, yeah. Okay, all right. So, uh, she, yeah, she'll have to off him and uh, take over, and I think that'd be awesome. And then she'll uh, lead this group into... Uh, you know, marauding and or looting and uh, doing despicable things. And then a group of heroes will have to come by and try and stop them and they will fail. And, and it's going to be great. They will fail. Yeah. I, I, that could be really interesting, but I think Madison is becoming now that Travis is gone and maybe because Travis is gone, she's already turning into maybe one of the most uh, interesting characters on this show. I still love Nick. You know, Nick's still, a, a, you know, a fun guy to watch <laughs> covered in blood most of the time, but <laughs> yeah. he can be a little one note, you know, he's like, I don't trust anybody. And I guess Madison, uh, is like that too, but she's kind of secretive about it now. Right. She's like, we're going to tell them we trust them, but we are going to take over this place if we need to. And I started thinking about this actually earlier in the episode when uh, Jeremiah comes to talk to her through the fence, remember, before she comes in? Yep. And he hands her the coffee and she's being all nice and friendly and they're talking about their kids and so on. But she's lying to him the whole time to sort of just get, you know, on his good side because then she pours the coffee out and is like, I'm not drinking your brown coffee water that could be poisonous. I would. I totally drink it. Yeah, I know you would. 
but that's what I mean. She's she's being all nice to manipulate him. And you don't even realize it at first. I thought, oh, she's just being friendly because she knows that these people might be able to help them. But no, she's manipulating him. And uh, kind of that's that. Um, now, later on in the episode, when she's grieving about Travis, she's by that tree and he comes out. I got the feeling that he was actually being supportive to her. Uh, although he also used the opportunity to kind of explain the rules a little bit by saying, you know, we noticed you stole a gun and like, don't try to deny it. We know you have it. What we want you to do is sign it out. Right. Right. So, you know, who at that point, I couldn't tell what Madison was doing. Is she sort of on board with him going, you know, okay, I'll play by your rules. I want to be nice. Or, you know, what was her intention there? What was her motives there? It's hard to tell at this point. It is very hard to tell. And I, uh, I thought it was a subtle, when they were talking back to, uh, talking through the fence, when, uh, he, uh, Jeremiah was saying that that was, you know, that's my, my son, you met my son. And the other son is like the one I put the spoon in his eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's him. Is that your daughter? And I'm like, oh, that's a threat. Well, it was, uh, it was Nick, right? Is that your son, Nick? Yeah. Oh, is that your son? Yeah. Is that your son, Nick? Yeah. And uh, it's like, oh, well, there's a nice threat. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was sort of slightly threatening. So I'm not surprised that she has her guard up because that was uh, a very subtle way to threaten. And I would have taken it as a threat. Mm. Oh, you put a spoon in my son's eye. Oh, is that your son over there? Isn't that interesting? But he Come al- on in. But he also said, I guess he's lucky it wasn't a fork. <laughs> Yeah, because his son's probably a bit of an ass, right? So he recognizes that, which is nice. It's nice for a father to recognize that. But uh, what her motivations were when she signed that, I think she kind of just went, uh, okay, I'll have to play along to get along for now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know I have the gun, so sign it out. I'll put my name on your list. No problem. What's the point? I mean, really, what's the point? Signing out guns, that seems kind of bureaucratic for the zombie apocalypse, in my opinion. Well, they need to keep track of them, get their inventory sheet going, make sure they know where guns are at all times. Well, why? Why not just get, let everyone have one all the everybody time? Everybody has guns. If you don't have guns, you have a knife. If you don't have a knife, you have a spoon. You know, everybody's dangerous because you need to be dangerous. This is a dangerous, you know, life we're living now. Why make lists of who has what? I mean, make lists, uh, you know, write down how many cans of tomato paste you have. No problem. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was a little bureaucratic and completely unnecessary. In the Wild West, would they write down who had guns when they were going out uh, prospecting for gold? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't know. Everybody has a gun. That's it. (laughs) I guess everybody does have a gun, yeah. Well, anyways, he's just trying to keep rules. He said he's trying to build a new civilization there. Um. I thought the stuff at night with Jake and uh, Alicia traveling back from the helicopter where um, uh, the woman, what was her name? Charlene, I think, uh, was killed by the zombies. I thought all that was pretty much useless. It was kind of, seemed like sort of an excuse to have a fight with a couple of zombies and give Jake something to be sad about. Uh, but really what was the point? You know, she wandered, she went off to take a watch and was so useless out there, got eaten by a couple zombies. And then, you know, Jake had to go through the fight with them and then killing her. I don't know. I didn't really see the point of it. Um, but it wasn't terrible. 
Any- yeah. Oh, I thought that's where I recognized her from. Charlene, that's her name. She was in uh, Justified. <laughs> everybody I I recognized everybody her from is somebody <laughs> from something yeah, else. and usually probably somebody that I recognize. And if I don't recognize them, my wife does. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the boat I'm in too. My wife recognizes everybody. Speaking of which, Willie, it took me forever to figure out where I saw that guy before. Uh, he died in the first episode. Do you rec- did you recognize him? You started watching that show recently. Um, yes, not me, but uh, the one of the guys, one of the military guys, was the stupid kid on Shameless. I don't think he was a stupid kid. Well, I've seen season one, and oh, he's a stupid kid in season one, and that's he wh- gets cooler later on. Everybody gets cooler later on. Okay, that's all I know about him from Shameless season one. Yeah, it took me forever because it's been a while since I've seen Shameless, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm like, oh, I know that guy. Where the hell do I know that guy from? It took me a long time, but I eventually figured it out. Okay. Well, like I said, everybody is somebody from something, uh, including Strand. So what did you think of all the Strand stuff in episode two? We didn't get anything of him in the first one, but he had a part in the second one. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I thought when he went up to, uh, save the Seinfeld bra lady, uh, that as soon as he opened the window, I'm like, she's totally going to kill herself. Yeah. I knew it right then and there. Me too. I knew it right then and there as well. It's obvious that she was going to jump off the balcony, but, uh, um, that was the part of that episode or, or that, that bit with her, I sort of did enjoy. I liked that. Um, and she's the one who enabled Strand to escape by giving him the car keys. To the, uh, I think it was a Jaguar, wasn't it? I don't know cars. Yeah, no, neither do I. Um, but I mean, the rest of it was just kind of Strand pretending to be a doctor so he could help people that showed up at the hotel. I mean, that's very well, surface level, but what was, what was the reason for him doing that? Well, I think it was a very much a Eugene thing. You pretend to be a doctor in order to seem important so that people will protect you. Strand has never seemed like the kind of character though, or the kind of guy who needs to seem important. I I think he's, he's been rather self-sufficient for a lot of this, even though he hasn't been by himself very much. I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I thought at first it was some sort of, um, ruse almost like at the beginning when all those people were at the gate saying we have to come in we have injured people we have a pregnant lady and um oh what's her name Uh, ellen elena was um was denying them i almost felt like it was a ruse that she denies them and then strand comes up and says no 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 everything's fine we'll let you in i'm a doctor i can help and it's supposed to ease their minds a little bit so that they don't you know, I don't know, try to get in by force or anything like that. But I'm not sure. Why not just let them in then? So, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't quite get it. Now that you, uh, you you know, uh, lay it out like that, I didn't quite understand. But I thought he was just, uh, you know, self-preservation, pretend to be somebody you're not in order to gain status. Or, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess if he figured they were going to try to force their way in, then if he can pretend to be like you said somebody he's not to let them through then yeah they'll just they'll come in in a more calm and orderly fashion i don't know um but i mean the whole thing was just to get strand to go pretty much and he's now on the road and do you think he's gonna meet up with the rest of our characters somehow well he has to i mean mean, why have him in the story at all yeah you're you're kind of right what's the point otherwise 
Yeah. I mean, he's a they bit. Gotta of, get, they got to get back together. They have to. He he is a bit of a fan favorite, but I guess they just needed him to leave, get on the road. He's going to go north. I don't remember right now if he knows if there were conversations of exactly where everyone was going, other than we're leaving, we're looking for Nick. But I guess, yeah, I guess he's going to have to uh, to to meet up with them at some point. Yeah, the continent. I mean, North America is not that big. You're but you're bound to run into somebody you know eventually, right? Just walking around, it's bound to happen, yeah. Yeah, you head north when you're in Mexico, and if you know other people that are wandering around the, you know, the continent, uh, you're you're bound to run into them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's going to do that. He's going to drive around until he runs into everybody. Uh, although, if there was, if there's more there that would indicate sort of where they are, I'm sure someone will remind us of that. Um, and then. I mean, that's pretty much the episode. I am pretty curious to see what happens on uh, Brokejaw Ranch, and mostly because I just really like the name of it. I think that's an awesome name. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens there, and uh, I was really bummed to see Travis get killed off. Yeah, I was a little bummed, but I kind of, after you telling me about Avatar, and after thinking about uh uh alicia or sorry madison um coming into her own i think that uh i i think that travis had to go yeah it's it's um it's, it's the same with rick and laurie right you can't have both rick and laurie the whole time and carl i mean in order for rick to fully uh, realize who he is and become himself. Lori's got to get eaten by a zombie. So we got to, you got to take the significant other and you got to get rid of them. And we all knew that, uh, Madison Clark is the, uh, the alpha dog in this, uh, in this story. So, uh, yeah, at some point Travis has got to go. Well, I, I, I think you're right. Actually, Lori had to get eaten by a zombie. Travis had to fall out of a helicopter. Yeah. And when somebody decides that they're going to, uh, uh, join a show like Avatar, you know, you cut their contract up and kick them out. Get out of here, man. What's the matter with you? Go man? and <laughs> hang out with some tall blue people. And Yeah, go do your, with the Navi, is that what they were the called? The Navi, I couldn't remember that, but that's them, yeah. <laughs> I pulled that out of somewhere in my brain. There you go. I've only watched that movie once in the theater, whenever it came out in like 1987 or whatever the hell that was. I don't think it was that long ago, but me too. <laughs> Once in the theater, that was enough for me, to be honest. I didn't hate it, but it didn't really- I did. Didn't, Absolutely hated it. Didn't really do it for me. I, I thought it was Dances with Wolves in, with sci-fi instead of cowboys. But that's okay. No, they already did Dances with Wolves. Okay. That movie's done. It was a good movie. <laughs> don't do it again. <laughs> that was that was uh, right on, uh, you know, Kevin Costner was awesome until Dances with Wolves. And then he did stupid things like Waterworld and Dirt World or The Postman, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then he sort of did dumb things for a long time until uh, like Robin Hood, for example. And then uh, he came back at some point. What the hell, when the hell did he come back? Or maybe it hasn't ha- happened, hasn't happened yet. But the Dances with Wolves was like, that was the last real good thing that Kevin Costner did for a very long time after that. Well, he was in uh, Man of Steel, wasn't he? Yeah. And that you movie, know, a bit part. The movie was terrible, in my well, opinion. Well, yeah, but every word he spoke was the best part of that movie. Um, maybe. Okay, maybe you're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, exactly. That's what he said. Maybe, right? <laughs> that was the best part. That was the oh best God, word you're right. of all the stuff he'd said in that whole movie. Oh, that's funny. You're right. <laughs> I'm supposed to let them die? Maybe. 
maybe <laughs> that was the best part of that movie that one word <laughs> and it was in the trailer and it was in the trailer okay can i talk about one more thing getting back to fear the walking dead here sure and this is kind of a silly thing but uh do you recall the theory jason that madison clark is somehow related to rick grimes uh well they have different names but yeah i recall the theory well that doesn't so do (laughs) (laughs) just move on that doesn't mean anything oh but uh they can't be related i i know the theory but i disagree with it well here i want you to consider this all right do you remember the scene in the prison when Maggie and Carl come walking out of the prison holding baby Judith, who has just been born, uh-huh. and Rick finds out that Laurie is dead, and yeah. in that scene, before he goes on his, you know, zombie-killing rampage in the tunnels under the prison, the way he reacts to the news that Laurie is dead it has been memefied like crazy on the internet. He kind of gets a funny look on his face. He goes down, hands on his knees, bent over, and he then- Talks to Carl. Talks to Carl. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I know the meme. Collapses onto the ground. Go watch the way Madison reacts to finding out that Travis is dead. It is not dissimilar. Well, you think they're secretly married or brother and sister or both or something? I think they're cousins or something like that. And I'm not saying anything, but it reminded me of it. She bends over forward, hands on her knees. She doesn't fall to the ground, but she does that same sort of like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm heartbroken. You know, I have to sort of lean over and it reminded me of it. And I'm like, Hey, look at that. They kind of reacted the same way. Maybe they are I've taken gut wrenching news before where I've had, where I've basically doubled over and had to sit down like that. That doesn't mean I'm related to Rick Grimes. It might. I'm just saying it might. It might. Okay, you're right. <laughs> See? No, I don't think they're related just because they have similar reactions. You're the one who thinks Enid is a spy still, and you can't get on board with this? <sighs> <laughs> I'll have to think about how they're related. Okay. I don't think they're cousins. I don't think they're brother and sister. Uh, yeah, I'll have to think about it. All right. I, I might, I, I'll keep an open mind about it and I will consider it uh, for the next little while, 15 <laughs> minutes at least. I'm, I'm, I honestly don't really think they're related either, but it did occur to me when I projected back to the prison scene, when I saw Madison do that, I'm like, huh, that reminds me of Rick a little bit. And aren't they supposed to be related? But, you know, we'll see. Right. Uh, so overall, how did you feel about these episodes? Did, did you like them? I, I get the feeling you enjoyed them. I did enjoy them. I thought there was a, a good mix of, uh, pacing and action, like kind of, uh, downtime and action. I thought some of the action was, uh, was really well done. Like, uh, Travis in the pit. I thought that was well done. I really enjoyed the, uh, slitting of, uh, that guy's throat and saying happy hunting and throwing him down a hole. Right. I thought that was extremely entertaining. Right. Uh, I think that was probably my favorite part of this whole two episodes, frankly. <laughs> Happy uh, but overall, yeah, I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was well done. Me too. I really think this was a great season premiere for, for Fear the Walking Dead. I enjoyed every minute of both of these episodes and they surprised the crap out of me. I had no idea Travis was going to die. And, um, you're right. The action was good. The, um, the, the writing and the acting was good. Everybody's great on this show to be honest with you 
at least the main core cast, you know, some of the supporting characters are, we're still getting used to them, but, um, uh, everybody was just really, really good. And I think this, I think it was nice that this episode didn't, it, it, it moved the story along, you know, it didn't dwell on who the people were at that took them captive, who these military guys were. We find out pretty quick. We find out what they're doing. We find out that they're not quite as threatening as we sort of expected at first. And it just, it got things going. And I felt like it was a really great season premiere and I am really, really on board with the show at this point right now. And and that's good because I was on board with season two as well. So I'm glad to see they've kind of kept it up for me. Yeah, I agree. Just for me. I'm, I'm in. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I, there are times when you teeter along on this show a little bit and, and I'm definitely falling onto the onboard side of things right that's now. Good. I'm happy for you. All right, good. Um, let's do, let's see what some of the listeners thought of this with, uh, some emails. Sure. Listener feedback. So we don't have too many here, but just some some reactions to to the episode. Uh, Rick in Kingsville, Ohio writes, Holy crap, did you see Troy doing the same how to shoot with no right eye thing that Carl did? How does this keep slipping by the writers and directors? Has have Madison stab Troy in the left eye instead? Problem solved. Yeah, go for yeah, <laughs> walking dead producers. Go for the left eye next time on somebody. On somebody. I didn't notice it in this episode um, like I did immediately with Carl. Uh, but I guess um, I guess Troy had a bandage on and he's shooting a rifle, <laughs> aiming with I, his bandaged eye. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew the bandage was there. I didn't see him shooting, trying to aim with the bandage. Yeah, I think maybe the scene that Rick is referring to is at the end of the first episode where he's standing in the truck and he's picking off the zombies with a rifle. It's where he shoots them off the helicopter too. Pretty good shot, that guy, to hit those zombies from that helicopter at that distance. Absolutely. I think. Even the governor, took. Uh, they took out his right eye. Like, go for a left eye every now and again, people. Yeah, why not? People need their... Either mix it up a little bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's we got three right eyes and no left. Right. Like, come on. Come on. Friend of the show, Adam, in Texas writes, uh, so, wow, am I the only one who feels like we're watching a whole new show? Like they fired everyone but the actors and replaced them with the people from Z Nation. The effects kind of felt stupid. The pacing and tone and camera work all felt really off. It just didn't look right thinking this doesn't survive another season oh my so when i started reading adam's email i'm like oh he really loved it too and then it (laughs) takes a turn there in the middle and obviously he didn't but another listener steve on the internet wrote in and said that he thought the effects looked like garbage so you know i i think this adam's not the only one who had this feeling but it didn't come across to me that way at all i thought everything looked great I didn't notice the effects being bad. No, and we kind of usually do, especially, you know, when they're really bad. But I thought everything- There was no deer in this episode. If there was a deer, I would have noticed. No. Or a tiger. Of course, of course. But I didn't think anything looked that bad in this one. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know. I was, I was really good with it. So I'm sorry Adam and Steve weren't so on board, but- uh, you know, I guess there's some feeling out there that the show has lost its way a little bit, but I think they did a great job. So not sure what to tell you. Yeah. 
Uh, Nancy, and then I took a bunch of responses from our Facebook page too. So these all, all, all these come from Facebook. Nancy said, I enjoyed it. Travis being killed off was shocking, but well done. Uh, I love that Madison went from sad to disbelief and now ruthless. Her stating she wants to take the ranch echoes what Rick said about Alexandria, right? Yeah. And I can't wait to see what secrets this ranch has. Everyone looks evil. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know about that. Uh, I think everyone at the ranch, I mean, we don't know many people yet. We pretty much just know Jeremiah, Troy, and uh, Jake. And, uh, I guess there's, you know, there will, we might get to know more of them, but I'm not so sure they're evil. I believe Jake when he says, or the way he comes across as a nicer guy who says he can kind of control his brother a little bit. You think so? I believe Jake. I'm on team Jake. You're on team Jake. Okay. I like the Jakester. I'm going to call him the Jakeinator from now on. The Jake Meister. Yeah. Yeah. Jakeinator. It sounds like Baconator. It does sound like Baconator. Which... In my younger days is something I really enjoyed, but now I, if I eat one, I just feel really disgusting after. So I don't eat them anymore. That's just, that's a moral problem. You have to get over that shit. Do you think it's a moral, do you think it's all in my mind? (laughs) Yeah, of course it's all in your mind. Well, they don't even make Baconators anymore. Don't they, aren't they like called something else now? Like Big Bacon Classic or something? No, I think they still make the Baconator, don't they? No, they don't make the Baconator anymore. I haven't been to Wendy's in a while, so... I think they changed the name of it to a big bacon classic. I'm going to go. There's one near my work. I'm going to go tomorrow and find out. All right. That sounds Dis- gross. Disgusting is the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no offense to anyone that loves the Baconator. <laughs> uh, I used to eat them too, and I love them. I would, uh, no, I'm not going to tell you the story. They're, they were good. <laughs> yeah, they were really good. Stephanie writes, I'm so glad to see Madison pull her shit together and become a badass. That being said, the whole, even if we have to take over this place thing is an old storyline we've already seen on The Walking Dead, and I really don't want repeats, which I kind of agree with. I mean, you know, someone shows up at a place and takes it over. It seems to happen a lot on this show. Um, I personally am hoping that everybody, including Jake at Brokejaw Ranch, is nice and friendly, and they're all willing to work together, and Madison could live there without having to kill anyone or take the place over. I think that Madison should go Breaking Bad and turn into an evil person and just take over shit and do some nasty stuff. Then she has to be stopped, but can't. Because she's unstoppable? Yeah, until the very last episode. Then she's stopped. Well, yeah, just like just like other shows that I won't name. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to see how that goes. But just, you know, to what Stephanie is saying, I, I do hope they do something new. Uh, and the fear of the walking dead has done an okay job with that. In my opinion, it, you know, thematically is a little bit different from the main show, uh, at times, not all the time, but sometimes, and that's good. So I hope they can keep that up. Yeah. Don't count your chickens till they hatch, right? They're, uh, they're not going to do the same old thing and rehash the same old thing. It's, it, you know, it's a, it's a very similar line to what we saw with, uh, with Rick in Alexandria, but I don't think it's going to play out the same way. I think that if they have to take over, it's going to be different. Right. It won't be so obvious, like out in the town square, swinging a gun around covered in blood, right? She'll do it. She'll do it sneakily. Yeah. She'll manipulate her way into uh, killing people. Or just slowly rising in power, right? That's how they do it. Take over one inch at a time. Build influence, have everybody respect you. And then Jeremiah go, you know what? 
you're the better person. Why don't you lead this crew? Here's the book of people with guns. <laughs> Make sure you keep that up to date. Yeah. Or everything. Keep that shit up to date. Everything's going to fall apart if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Heather writes, I can't get over that goddaughter. She volunteers to take first watch, walk, walks 10 steps out of their camp, and is immediately and silently, except for whistling once for the others, devoured by three walkers. Someone's just not cut out for the apocalypse. Yeah. Like me. That's, that would happen to you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would probably not even get a whistle off. I'd be like, okay, I'm taking first watch. Oh crap. I'm dead. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that kind of is one of the things why I thought that whole part was just sort of silly. Like she's there, she gets killed off screen by accident. I mean, I guess we don't know what happened really. It was dark after all, but then it's, it's all just set up so that Jake could fight some zombies and have to kill his, uh, stepsister or whatever she is. And, and then I don't know what, and Alicia was there just to save him. Uh, I'm not sure the point of all that didn't seem to do much for the characters or, or anybody, but, uh, Hey, um, she's gone and that's that. I guess Jake is going to be sad for a while. Yep. Tom on Facebook wrote, it was a bullshit death. I'd be surprised if we don't find him under a dumpster. <laughs> He's referring to Travis. Yeah, he fell pretty far there, I think. With a, you know, a bullet in the neck falling, uh, it had to be five, six hundred feet. You don't fall five, six hundred feet onto your back and survive. No, he could have been perfectly healthy and not shot in the abdomen and the neck and fallen out of that helicopter and still be dead for sure. Yeah, not in the desert. Uh, you could do that in wetlands or a swamp and maybe survive. That's happened. People like jumping in airplanes and their parachute not opening and they land on like soggy ground and that's okay because that's a miracle. But generally speaking, you fall that kind of distance, you die. Oh yeah. Generally, usually whatever you land on, right? Yeah. But like a rock. (laughs) I'm just saying, even on wet ground, that's a little squishy. Usually you die. Um, so if he did somehow survive the impact, he's still shot in the neck. He's got, you know, two mortal wounds going out of that helicopter and a lot more once he lands. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know what they say? It's not the fall that'll kill you. It's the landing. It's the landing. Exactly. Well, I, I don't think it was a bullshit death. I just think it was surprising. And the fact that it surprised me is, is okay. I think that's, that's good. Uh, Marilyn on Facebook writes, damn, Travis, after killing all those walkers in the pit, you die kind of like getting perfect scores on dancing with the stars and then getting booted off the show. <laughs> I don't understand the reference. Neither do I. <laughs> Having... Does that happen? Getting perfect score and then getting booted off? Like isn't score related to whether or not you leave the show? Seems like it would make sense, but I don't know. Oh, now I have to go back and watch all of Dancing with the Stars because I don't do anything halfway. <laughs> no, you are a completist in that respect. Yes. A TV completist. Okay, finally, we got a call from our friend Anwen in New Zealand. Holy crap, you guys. Did you see how many times they mentioned New Zealand in that first episode? It is so great and how awesome we are and how amazing we would be in the zombie apocalypse. Obviously, we're really far away from everything, so we might not even get the zombie apocalypse. But if we did, we're obviously so badass that we could um, kill all the zombies that we wanted to. Yay, Cliff Curtis. Awesome New Zealand action there. 
Thanks, guys. Have a good day. So everyone in New Zealand is awesome and totally prepared for the zombie apocalypse. I absolutely believe that. You know, I played that because I understand where Anwen is coming from when she's kind of excited to hear about her home country on a popular TV show. Because everything that we watch, almost everything that we see here in North America and around the world is either produced in the United States, is an American show, or sometimes, you know, British uh, and obviously there is Canadian stuff, but anytime one of these foreign-ish shows refer to Canada or takes place in Canada or shoots in Canada or you see some Canadian landmark, you always get a little warm feeling as a Canadian, don't you, Jason? I do. I, I do. And I, I enjoy watching shows that are filmed in Toronto and uh, I know they're filmed in Toronto and then I try and place every scene. That's a little fun. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've been there. I know that place. And even when, you know, you film in New York and you're like, oh, that's Grand Central Terminal. I was there, but you know, everything's filmed there and everybody goes there. Uh, but I was there once. Right. And when I see movies that are filmed there, I'm like, how oh, cool. I was there. That, that's fun too. Any location you've been to that you see in a show or a movie is, is, is cool. But when it's your hometown or your home country, even, it just feels yeah. a little more special. And obviously this episode had some stuff to do with New Zealand because Travis is Maori and he was from New Zealand. Yep. Um, it's fun. It's fun. And I, I, I just know that feeling. So yeah, I think that's good. one of those things that just everybody experiences at some point or another when they see their like hometown on TV. In my experience and in my travels uh, throughout my life, I have yet to encounter a single television show or movie that is either filmed in or mentioned Sault Ste. Marie. <laughs> Sault Ste. Marie, Jason's hometown. There's got to be something, though, don't you think? Not that I've ever encountered. I'll bet you. I mean, I've, there's been videos of uh, the people that have lived there have filmed there, and I've seen TV shows that... You know, or local broadcasting, like the hockey games are all filmed there. I'm like, oh, is that that the uh, Memorial Gardens? <laughs> That's not the same thing. No, it absolutely, absolutely is not. Well, you should watch Letter Kenny. It's this I did. I watched the first uh, season. I watched a bunch of episodes, not the whole season, but uh, most of the episodes. Well, I really enjoyed Letter Kenny, and I know it's a hyper amplified version of Small Town Ontario, but man, I it felt familiar. And I'm not even from a small town. It didn't really speak to me like that. Really? It didn't, uh, no, it didn't. I mean, I understand the fighting, like, but, you know, having it <laughs> formalized the way it is, uh, just is not realistic in my but opinion. He, he had to prove he was the toughest guy in Letterkenny. Well, yeah, no, I understand that. But, you know, the formal fighting, whereas, you know, don't come down the driveway, I'll meet you at the, at the street kind of thing. And then you have the official formal fight. That kind of thing doesn't make any sense. Oh, my God. It's just, you know, getting into fights because that's what you do. You walk around and you look for getting into fights. I've been the victim of such things where people walk around looking to get into fights. And I just happen to be in the right place at the right time. I'm going to fight you. Bring your smokes. You know? <laughs> See? See? <laughs> Anyone who knows Letter Kenny, you, they can hear it in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I want to sometime someday I want to talk about Leonard Kenny, Letter Kenny, and if you haven't seen it out there, go find that show. It's it's probably not for everybody, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Go put some clothes on. It's not my forte. <laughs> See, funny stuff. <laughs> it is funny. All right, anyways, Fear the Walking Dead season 3, episode 1 and 2, I thought both really good and I'm excited for the show to be back, and I hope everybody out there uh gives it a chance even, you know, uh you guys, friend of the show, Adam and Rick and Steve and you, you folks who didn't like it. So, um, 
you know, we got 16 episodes for season, um, what is it? Three? <laughs> three now. Yeah. Yeah. As I just said. So it's the longest season yet. And, uh, I think they're off to a good start. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back next week, of course, when we're covering episode three of season three. And, uh, until then, I would really appreciate it if you contacted us and sent in your comments or your thoughts about the show. You can do that by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on send voicemail on the side of the page. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And send emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is that we've recently changed around the hosting situation on the website and are having some problems with it. So Aww. if you happen to visit the website and it appears to be down, please don't fret. Uh, I am doing everything I can to try and uh, keep it up. Uh, it's It's been up and down a little bit since we changed the hosting. And if this continues, I may just switch it back to the way it was before because it seemed to be... Uh, pretty rock solid over there. So, um, that being said, if there are any Amazon web service experts out there, send me a note, talking at gmail.com. I might have some questions for you. <laughs> You're trolling for experts in this episode, aren't you? Hey, Please man. help Chris. He needs help with technology. Hey man, I, I, you know, the, the worst part is in a way I do this for a living and this is <laughs> driving me crazy. So these are all hardware issues. I'm sure. Which is, I you know. doubt it, but whatever. Anyways, um, please don't fret if the website is down um, and uh, I will do my best to keep it up. Uh, but if you can't get the episode for some reason, which I know you won't hear this if you don't, but if you can't, um, let me know somehow. Or if you have trouble, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> if you don't hear this episode at all and don't know what we're talking about because you can't listen to it, let me know. Oh, it's just so stupid. <laughs> Anyways, that's it for this one. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.